And welcome to a brand new series here at Valley Point called The Generosity Ladder. And for a couple of weeks, we're just going to talk about money. Sounds like fun, right? Oh, come on, help me out a little bit here. Sounds like fun, right? Yeah, it does. You know, money seems to be, though, this one untouchable thing that we're not really supposed to talk about with each other. And because we're not supposed to talk about it with each other, it's certainly something that we're not supposed to talk about in public because you can kind of get in trouble with that. And why is that? Well, based on misinformation or poor examples or even our own desires, it seems like we're kind of left on our own to figure out things financially. We're just on our own. And that plan of just being left on our own to figure things out financially has led to a culture swarmed with debt, financial stress, and a lot of personal brokenness. And so maybe being silent on this issue is not really a good thing for us. But even scripture, though, has this to say about money. Lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. Going down that path, some lose their footing in the faith completely and live to regret it bitterly ever after. So maybe money is just a bad thing. Not so. Money matters in a pretty significant way. And I know talking about this makes some people very uncomfortable because it's a hard thing. But we're friends here. And so we're just going to initiate this conversation and think about what God wants to say about money. And here's why we want to think about that. Because Jesus actually had a lot to say about financial kinds of things. He had a lot to say. Jesus talked about money more than a lot of other subjects. As a matter of fact, 11 out of the 39 parables, the stories that Jesus told to illustrate some kind of truth, were based on money. There are four different gospels in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the book of Luke, one of these gospels that tells the story of the life of Christ, one out of every seven verses deals with things financially related. Jesus talked more about money than he did the subjects of heaven and hell combined. Jesus talked about money more than any other subject outside of the kingdom of heaven. So money is kind of a big deal to Jesus. And I think he talked about it a lot because he knew that we would struggle with this and we would need a lot of practical help. Now, I know there are some individuals here who are like, I knew it. At some point, the church was going to talk about money because the church always talks about money. They need money. They want money. It's just money, money, money. And so this was the day that it was to happen. And I knew this was coming because churches are just kind of about money. That's not why we're doing that here at Valley Point. We're talking about this because Jesus talked about it. And here we don't shy away from teaching on the things that Jesus taught on. And so we're going to think through this, and I'm excited about this and just want to ask everyone to keep an open mind. Just keep an open mind on this, and let's think about what Scripture has to say about our money and how we deal with our financial life. 
And then I think we'll come to some conclusions. So it's all good. Now, here's our big idea for today. And that is look at your financial life through a different pair of glasses. This is what we all want to think about today. Just look at your financial life through a different pair of glasses. Now, when we look at our financial life through our own glasses, there seems to be a couple of words that come to mind or a couple of phrases that describe how we look at this. And one of the words is mine. I mean, it's my money. And I'm going to do everything I can to get my money and to hang on to it because it is mine. That's one of the words. Here's the other word that we think of when it comes to looking at our financial life through our own glasses, and it's the word more. If I could just have a little more, then a lot of my issues and a lot of my problems would be solved. But again, today, we want to look at our financial life through a different pair of glasses, and here's why. Because when we, when we look at God's plan, for financial management. It's a plan that gives us the freedom to climb the generosity ladder and to really pursue the purposes that God has for all of our lives, and that is a very good thing. It's a great thing. So the paragraph that we're going to unpack today is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And if you have a Bible with you, you can turn there. You'll also find these words on the screen in just a moment. But here's what's happening in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's written by a guy named Paul. He's the author. And he's writing to a church in the city of Corinth. And he's trying to encourage them. He's trying to challenge them to get really generous with their money. And they're kind of having a problem with this particular area. And Paul, the author, didn't want them not to receive the benefit of being very generous with what God had given to them. And so he begins to challenge them a little bit, and we see this in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Here's what it says. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. So this is a church in another area, Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They actually begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem, another city that was kind of having some financial troubles. Verse 5, they even did more Then we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, another worker in the church, who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Now look at this, verse 7. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. 
Now, I want to think for just a moment about this church in Macedonia and what they were walking through because there's three characteristics that kind of mark their life. First of all, they gave beyond their ability in the middle of trouble. I mean, they gave way beyond their ability in the middle of trouble. These people are poor and they have a lot of different issues in life, yet they're generous. They're poor, they don't have a lot of money, and they have a lot of other troubles kind of just being poured into their life, but yet they're generous. It's kind of a remarkable thing. And I love the use of the words here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In verse 2, it says that they were very poor. It actually means deep poverty. So when we think of somebody who is very poor, in this context, we're talking about somebody who is deep into poverty. It's not a shallow thing. I mean, they are way in. And the word deep actually comes from words which mean of the deep sea or extreme. And the word poverty comes from words which mean beggary or the condition of one destitute of riches and abundance. So they are very poor. They are in deep poverty. They're almost extreme beggars or they're extreme in the sense that they don't have riches and they don't have abundance at all. Yet scripture tells us about these people who have a lot of trouble and they're in deep poverty that they're very generous people, meaning they gave money, not sure where they got it, but they were incredibly generous. They gave beyond their ability in the middle of trouble. It's a pretty cool thing. Secondly, they gave on their own initiative without being prompted, without being pushed, without being scolded at all. They just kind of gave on their own initiative. And you have to wonder why. I mean, these are people who are in trouble. They don't have a lot going their way when you look at the description of them, but yet they gave on their own initiative. And why is that? Well, here's why. I think they knew. I mean, they just had this overwhelming sense that God had poured out so much grace on them that even though they didn't have a lot of financial resources, they just made the choice that we're going to give on our own initiative because God has first given so much to us. And so without being pushed, without being asked, without being scolded, they just gave. It's what they did. Thirdly, they gave because they were crazy about God. So verse 5 says, their first action, I mean, their very first action was to give themselves to God. They were just crazy in love with God. I mean, there's no other way to think about this other than to say they were absolutely crazy in love with God and it resulted in a generosity that couldn't be explained. So, they gave beyond their ability and in the middle of trouble. They gave on their own initiative. And they gave because they were crazy in love with God. And Paul now calls the church in Corinth. You do the same thing. Let liberality describe you in terms of your generosity as a church, just like the church in Macedonia. And he uses these words to communicate that. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. It's like the author is saying here. 
All right, church in Corinth, you guys excel in a lot of different areas. I mean, you guys are good at a lot of different things. And that is to be applauded and we're excited about that. And we're happy for you that you're good as a church in a lot of different areas. But now I want you to get excellent in this area of your giving. And as an example of that, look at the church in Macedonia. I mean, they are in deep poverty. They are in trouble, but yet they give on their own initiative and they're just crazy in love with me. They are killing it when it comes to their giving. And I want you to do the same. I want you to do the same. You know, it almost doesn't make sense, really, that the Macedonians would be used as an example of how to give. It doesn't make sense but then living God's way rarely makes sense. You can't always explain that. So let's try to personalize this a bit because sometimes when we talk about our generosity and our giving back to God, it's very easy to think about somebody else doing that. I mean, we'll let somebody else take care of that because they have the means or they're already generous and they really like doing that and because I don't have a lot floating through my hands right now or maybe I don't even like being generous. This is just for somebody else. I can kind of check out right now. But I want to go back to our big idea for a moment, which says, let's look at our financial life through a different pair of glasses. See, we don't want to keep doing things the same way. We need today, and we want a fresh perspective on money. So here's what I want to do. I want to share one big underlying paradigm shifting truth when it comes to the green stuff that we all enjoy. And so this is something that I think could just radically change our lives if we really wrapped our mind around this one big underlying paradigm shifting thought. Are you ready for this? Here it is. God owns it all. That's it. I mean, it is a big underlying paradigm shifting thought that God owns everything. And this is actually what we see in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. And here's the line. Everything was created through him, And for him. I mean, everything was created through him and for him, and that would include money. So the paradigm shifting thought is that God owns all of this anyway. And again, if we could just get that, it would relieve a lot of pressure in our lives. I came across something interesting the other day. I read that if you make $2 a day, you're actually in the top. 2% of the world's wealthiest people on just two bucks a day. I also read that if you work from age 25 to 65 and you make a modest income of $25,000, that in that 40-year career, a million dollars will pass through your hands. Now, $25,000 doesn't seem like a lot of money, but a million dollars is a decent amount. And some of us will have more money pass through our hands than that. And some people will have less. It's not really about the amount. 
It's about how we're using that. And so I want to share three questions with you just to get us thinking about what we're doing with the stuff that comes into our life. So here's three questions, and you just think about yourself for a moment here. Number one, where is it all going? I mean, I have money coming in. Where is it all going? Number two, what am I spending it on? Because I'm not saving everything. So what am I spending it on? And question number three, what has been accomplished for eternity through my use of all this wealth? So where is it going? What am I spending it on? And what has been accomplished for eternity through my use of all this wealth? Sobering questions, especially number three. And in the middle of all this, we have God saying, I want you to be excellent in this area of giving. In other words, be pursuing this and excel in this area and become better in this area as you have the chance. Now, I believe that the way we ultimately honor God with our finances is by giving back to him. And by giving back to God, I'm talking about giving to God through your church and getting excellent in this area. But how do you do that? How do you actually pull that off? Well, if we're going to get better at anything, if we're going to excel at anything, we have to walk through a series of steps. If we're going to move from here to there, there are some things that happen along the way. There are some rungs that we need to climb on the generosity ladder. And so here's the thing about the generosity ladder. There is a place for every single person on the ladder. And maybe you've given a lot to God in your lifetime. Or maybe you have never started this journey at all yet. I want you to know that that wherever you're at on that spectrum, and, and we're all in different places, and that's fine, that's good. God gets that, he understands that. Wherever you're at, there is a place for you on the generosity ladder that's not intimidating and it's not pushy and it's not trying to drive you by guilt. It's just saying there is a place for you. And so we're going to talk about how we can climb the generosity ladder. And again, there is a place for all of us on this ladder. So everybody catch your breath. Can you do that? Because I'm about to climb the generosity ladder. And uh, I I don't get on ladders. I don't do these things because they scare me. If you fall off, that's kind of a bad thing. So this is kind of a new venture for me. And I know whenever I say that, people are like, man, I I feel really bad for his wife. He's like a pathetic person. And that's mostly true, but we'll talk about that later. All right, here's rung number one on the generosity ladder. It's returning an initial gift to God through your church. We would also call this an initial giver. And here's what being an initial giver does. It actually puts you on the generosity ladder. And this is, this is a great place to be. It's a, an exciting place to be. The thought that I'm giving back to God through my church and I'm honoring God this way through my initial gift, this is a wonderful place to be. It's exciting, it's thrilling. And perhaps God is speaking into your heart and into your life right now about being an initial giver and getting on the generosity ladder. This is a great place to be. 
Now, while it's thrilling, there's also another emotion that kind of comes into play when we give this initial gift. And notice we haven't talked about amounts because amounts don't matter. It's just an initial gift. So that's between you and God. You get to wrestle with that. You get to think about that. So while this is thrilling, there is another emotion that comes into play, and that is fear. What if I give away too much? How will I survive? How will I manage? And the thing about fear is that it keeps us living with a scarcity mentality, which means that the more I give away, the less I'll have for me. And the only way to really overcome this is to actually take that step of faith and to get on the ladder and to give that initial gift and watch what God does through that. This is really a thrilling place to be. And again, maybe God is speaking to you about giving that initial gift and getting on the ladder. This is rung number one, a great, great place. But I don't think God wants us to stay there. I think God wants us to continue to climb the generosity ladder. And so here is rung number two. It is return a tithe to God through your local church. And we just begin climbing the ladder a bit. And by tithe, I'm talking about giving 10% of your income to God's work through the church. Tithe is a Bible word that means 10%. Now, let me climb down off the ladder and ask this question. Does the word tithe freak anybody out? Like maybe you've heard this word before and you've kind of dismissed it from your mind as a crazy thought. Or maybe you've never heard that before. And you're thinking, what is happening here? What's going on with the generosity ladder? So let's just take a few moments and think about returning a tithe to God through your church and becoming a percentage giver. The word tithe is probably one of the most misunderstood words in all of scripture. So a quick little background on the word tithing. When Jesus taught on giving, he built off of the Old Testament concept of the tithe. 10%, which began with Abraham, a servant, one of God's special servants. And he willingly, without being asked, gave 10% of everything he had to the church, to the temple for God's work. And Abraham got really excited about that. And so he gave more and more money and he continued to tithe. And God was really happy with the choice that Abraham made. And so he instituted this as a rule for the whole country, the whole nation of Israel. You give 10% and you live off of 90%. 10% for God's work and 90% for you. It's almost like God coming to you and saying, all right. And you open the door and he says, here's 10 bucks for you. It's my money. I'm the one giving it to you. And I want you to have it. And you're like, oh, this is wonderful, 10 bucks. I love 10 bucks. That will get me a couple of drinks at Starbucks or a gallon of gas or whatever. I'll take the $10. This is a wonderful thing. We get really happy about that. And then God says, you know what? I'd just like 10% of that back for my work and for what I'm doing throughout the world. And so God takes a dollar and we still have $9. Now, if that actually happened, which it does, by the way, because remember, God owns it all. 
And so whatever you have and whatever you make is all from God. That's a pretty good deal. 90%, it's not bad. Giving back to God 10%, this is kind of a good deal. So Jesus then picked up on this Old Testament concept of tithing when he said in Matthew 23, 23, you should tithe, yes. Like this is a great idea. This is a wonderful thing for you. You should be doing this, yes. And so giving 10% up to that is something that God wants us to think about. God wants us to pursue being a percentage giver. And we get on this ladder after understanding this new paradigm shifting thought that God owns it all. And so maybe I begin with being an initial giver and that wrong. And then I climb the ladder a bit and I become what God calls a percentage giver. Now, is there anything magical about 10%? No, there's really not. I do think there's something about giving up to this amount that kind of frees us from having hands on our stuff that allows us to step back and say, all right, God, this is all yours, and I'm going to give back this portion to you. Maybe God's doing something in your heart about being a percentage giver. And you're saying, you know what? There is no way. I mean, I know what I've got and I know what's going out. There is no way on earth that I could do up to 10%. You know, I think God gets that. I think God's aware of what's happening in your life. But what about still climbing the generosity ladder and making being a percentage giver a priority in your life because it builds consistency? What about 1%? What about 3%? about 5%. See, when we become a percentage giver, God begins to grow our heart and we get really, really motivated. So the climb from rung one to rung two tells us we're going to be consistent with this and we're going to make giving to God a percentage, a real priority in our life, and we're going to get consistent with this. Now, I don't think God wants us to stay there. I think God wants us to continue to climb the generosity ladder. And rung number three tells us that we're going to become a generous giver through your church. And the word that describes that is a sacrificial giver. So check this out. I'm even going to go a little bit higher here. Anybody nervous? (laughs) Because I am. The amazing thing about being a sacrificial giver is this is an individual who has a great view of what God is doing in their own life and what God is doing in the lives of others. This is an individual who leaves 10% behind and they're just so energized and so excited about seeing God's work completed in their church and around the world that they're finding more and more ways to give more and they just become a sacrificial giver. It's an amazing thing. Now, I think it would be shockingly hypocritical for me to talk to you about what you need to be doing. Hey, you guys out there, you become an initial giver. You get on the generosity ladder or you become a percentage giver or you become a sacrificial giver. This is what God wants for all of you. But but I'm not going to do any of that because I don't want to take the time and I don't want to give up that much money. I mean, that would just be really, really hypocritical. 
And so I want to take a few moments here and just talk to you about my own giving journey and some of the things that God has done in my heart so that you hear from me. I think my journey began when I was a freshman in high school. And that's when I got my first job. And I made three and a quarter. That was the minimum wage. Does anybody remember three and a quarter? I mean, you could buy four gallons of gas back in the day. It was a beautiful thing. I mean, I thought I'd hit it rich with three and a quarter. So I started this job and I began to make some money as a freshman. And I remember sitting down with my parents and my dad making it very clear. Here's what you're going to do with that. You've got college coming up and you want to get in the rev business. Actually, somebody shared that with me a week ago. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world, the rev business. So you're going to get in the rev business and you've got to go to college and you've got to take care of that. So you need to save a little bit for that. And you need to save over here and you've got some spending money, the different things that you're doing. But we also want you to give 10% of what you make back to God. Now, there's something unique about hearing that from your parents, especially when Frank Kohler makes it very clear, you don't really have an option on this. This is going to be a great thing for you. Frank Kohler rules. And so I kind of looked at that and said, well, sounds like a pretty good idea. It's really not a tremendous amount of money. And I get what my dad is saying about how God has given this to me, and I need to give a little bit back to him through the church that we were attending. And so I began to be a percentage giver at a very early age. And that's why I think this is incredibly important for you to talk about with your kids and your grandkids. Because the earlier you start this with them, the habit will get ingrained and it will be very, very normal for them just to climb the generosity ladder because it's a part of their life. So I'm very, very thankful for parents who kind of just said, this is what you will be doing. Became a habit for me at an early age. But I would say I got very comfortable with that and got very used to that. And I had a mentor about seven or eight years ago come to me and say, you know what? You need to up your percentage. You're just too comfortable. I said, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll think about that. I'll pray about it. And I left that meeting and I was really mad at him. I mean, nobody likes when somebody comes to you and says, you need, you need to give away more of your money. I'm like, well, I've, I've got all this stuff happening, and if I give more, I'm not going to be able to do this. And really, mine came into play. And if I just had a little bit more, then I'd be able to up the percentage. But that kind of stuck in my heart, and so I began to pray over that and strategize on how this might be a reality And I began to pursue that route in my own life of upping that percentage and just watching what God would do with that. And I can tell you that I've never lacked, never lacked at all. I don't share this with you because I have it all down. I don't. As a matter of fact, I just got paid over the weekend. And there are times when you see that amount that you're going to give back to God through your church. And you're like, oh, it'd be really great to have that this week because this is coming and I've got this going on and I'd love to save for this. And, oh, man, I feel kind of bad about that, a little guilty that God has given me so much and he's just asking for a small percentage back and God does a work in my heart, so I'm not perfect at this. I don't always have it down. I've just seen God bless in very unique ways. And when you take a step, 
when you just make this choice in your life and you get on the generosity ladder and you become an initial giver or a percentage giver or you become a sacrificial giver and there's really no end to the steps that you can take. When you take that step, God meets you in ways that just can't be explained. And that's when life with God gets really fun. Becomes a lot of fun. Let me ask you, are you you kind of bored with God? Bored with your Christian life? Maybe you'd even say, you know what, I'm reading the Bible and I'm praying, I'm just still kind of bored. Bored with your church? Then up your percentage and watch God grow your motivation because where your money goes, that's exactly where your heart goes. Now here's a danger. I think often we say, I'll be generous or I'll become a percentage giver or I'll become a sacrificial giver when I have more. When I get this big thing, this big debt out of the way or when more income begins to flow into my hands, then I'll climb the generosity ladder. But here's the reality. If you're not generous with what you have now, Chances are, when you receive more, you won't be more generous. You'll be the same way. And so there's tremendous value in thinking about stepping up the generosity ladder today. You know, here's what I love about tithing and generosity. It's kind of a crazy thing. It really is. Because you're saying, I'm going to get financially strong by existing off of less. That's what we're saying. I'm going to give away more and more for God and his work. And I'm going to get financially stronger in my life by living on less. And sometimes living God's way doesn't make sense. And this is where we get to take that step of faith and really trust in him that God is going to work it all out. It's kind of crazy at times. And maybe it's time for us to do something a little crazy in our spiritual lives and just stretch ourselves a bit. It's not a bad thing. So here's our takeaways for today in the form of questions. Number one, is it time to acknowledge that your current view of money isn't getting you where you want to be financially? Like maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, it's just not working. I'm in this pair of glasses that I have now. It is not working at all. Or maybe it is working for you, and that's great. But maybe it's time just to recognize, maybe things aren't exactly where I want them to be financially in my own life. Which leads to question number two. Is it time then to think about what step God wants you to take on the generosity ladder? And it is time. It's time for us to look at our financial life through a different pair of glasses and really wrestle with this thing and begin to think about what step, what rung God wants us to get to on his generosity ladder. God, we're so thankful for this day and for a few moments to think about money. God, we don't often talk about this in church, kind of a private thing kind of a sensitive thing, and so we stay away from it. But yet you have a lot to say 
in Scripture about money and how we can use that and how we can accomplish your purposes in our church and around the world with the use of the money that you've given to us. So God, today, I just pray that you'd really help us to think about this paradigm-shifting thought that you own it all and you have given it to us. And you want us to consider giving back to you and taking that step of obedience in our life. So God, I pray for everybody here that you'd help us to have an open mind and to listen to Scripture. And 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is such an amazing paragraph about people who gave even though they were in deep poverty. And yet you grew their hearts and they accomplished so much. And God, you can do the same through us. So I pray that you'd help us to consider whether we need to take that first step and just get on the ladder by giving an initial gift. Or God, maybe it's time for us to get really consistent in this area and become a percentage giver. And God, that percentage is going to be different for all of us. It doesn't have to be the same, and this is what we get to talk to you about and have you whisper into our hearts about what you want. And God, then there are those who maybe have been doing this for a long time and perhaps you're speaking into their heart about becoming that sacrificial giver where they just leave 10% behind and find ways to give more and more to your work so that the truth of Christ can go out into this community and into the world and help people understand that God loves them. So God, use this day and this conversation God, use the money that we have to accomplish much for you and your purposes. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.